Welcome back, episode 25, The ADHD Iceberg. I know, it's been a minute, actually eight months, and a lot has happened. So I am going to do my best to go through all of this in some kind of an order. However, ADHD, time blindness, all the things. So stay with me, but if you've uh, stuck with me thus far, well, it's about to get really good. Okay, I'm gonna pause here and I'm actually gonna go live for this episode recording. Good morning. All right, so I am also recording for the podcast here. So I will be checking back to my computer here and there as I do this live. But I wanted to share on here because, well, this is quite frankly something that more people need to know. Um, So something happened this morning that was a perfect example of... of ADHD and the ADHD iceberg. So we, Elsie didn't charge her tablet overnight, her school tablet, right? Or it was on the charger, but the charger wasn't plugged in, right? So this morning I realized that it's at 35% and we have like half an hour before she has to catch the bus. I didn't wanna tell her what percent it was because I knew as soon as I did, I knew the spiral would start. And so this is truly the dangerous part about ADHD. And I will say that I am speaking from personal experience. And every time I have these conversations out loud with Elsie, she agrees with me. And so I know it's not just me, but I wanna say this is more of a female characteristic. So, we take a lot of that, the ADHD tornado, um, and it's actually below the surface. Most of it is below the surface. Um, there is an image and it's actually a really good kind of visual on the ADHD iceberg. And above the water level, it's what you see on an iceberg. And this is what people think ADHD is. Trouble focusing, fidgeting, possible behavior. Possible, right? Mainly the fidgeting. The fidgeting, the hyper-focus, the hyper-activity, sorry, the hyper-activity, the fidgeting, and the trouble focusing. This is what people think ADHD is. And it is those things, in a way. But it's all the stuff that you don't see that leaves the lasting damage. It's the stuff that we internalize that is doing the most damage. And I share this because for someone like Elsie, she's not struggling in school. She has straight A's. I know we are going to go to her teacher conference on Tuesday and they're going to tell me how smart and amazing my girl is. And I know all these things. And I even wrote on the paper that I 
want to know if what she's struggling with is showing up in school. And I guarantee it's not. I guarantee it's not. Because what it looks like is anxiety. That's what it looks like. All you see externally is anxiety and what looks like temper tantrums or exaggeration or dramatic drama drama (laughs) I can't say that word so what ADHD actually is and then I'm gonna go through these things personally difficulty maintaining relationships yep depression yep anxiety yep financial problems Yes, in my 20s. Sensory processing disorder. Auditory processing disorder. Uncontrollable fidgeting. Literally doing it right now. Hyperfixations. Mood swings. Got them. Difficulty following and maintaining conversations. No lie. I had actual conversations as an adult for the first time on meds, on meds. It was the first time that I was ever able to have an actual conversation where I was was able to pay attention and follow along to the conversation and take it in and reply at an appropriate time. I had to have meds to do that because before meds, what was happening in my brain was either I was trying to hold on to a thought so hard to where when it was the right time I could share or I was constantly telling my brain, shut up, shut up, shut up, listen, shut up, shut up, shut up, listen, shut up, shut up, shut up, listen, not the things you should be thinking about right now. Doesn't matter if you didn't do that yesterday or if you have to do that tomorrow. She's talking about something right in front of your fucking face. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or we provide input things that have happened to us, things from our life to contribute into the conversation because that's how we connect, but it just makes us sound like a a one-upper or it's always about us because we're always just contributing things about ourselves, but that's how we connect. Oh, yeah, got that too. Um, Forgetting to eat, sleep, or go to the bathroom. I know this sounds stupid. I know this sounds crazy, but that, that is... Spot on right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Executive function. Yeah, don't got it. <laughs> poor impulse poor impulse control. Got that. Problems focusing on things even if they are of interest. Yes. So frustrating. <laughs> uh, poor sense of time. Time blindness. Check. The all or nothing mentality. Check, check. Trouble recalling commonly used words. Check. Sleeping problems. Check. Rejective sensitive dysphoria. Check, check, check. Really have that guy. Trouble regulating emotions. Let me tell you right now. If you have been told that you are too much if you have been told that you make things worse, if you have been told you are doing this to yourself, if you have been called dramatic 
look up emotional dysregulation. Look it up. If that fits, look up ADHD and find somewhere to get evaluated. I am telling you. And if you have ADHD, side note, just throwing this in there, you can't treat it with depression and anxiety meds. Those are symptoms of your ADHD, not the fucking problem. And rant. Moving on. Um, losing items relentlessly. Well, that's a pretty commonly known one, sure. Difficulty switching tasks. Holy shit, yes. And not just that. If I'm in the middle of a conversation with Mark and he asks me a question that is about something else, I get irritated. Because, check it, this is literally what happens in my brain. We're having a conversation about something and that makes him think of something. Oh, I get it. My brain's totally like that. Connect the dots, right? It's like one. It's like connect the dots of everything up there. It's like one leads to this, leads to this. And that's how the thought process goes, right? But when it's not me doing it, it's like, okay, well, I have to shut down the conversation we're having, put it in this tight little box, label it, set it down right here so I can come back to it and remember what we were talking about. Mm, hard. Then I have to go up and open all these other closet doors. Was this the thing we were? he wants to know about yesterday? No, that's not it. Was this it? No, that's not it. Was it? We don't have a good filing system up there. That's the biggest problem. We just store everything everywhere or we shove it into closets and doors and spaces in our brain that we don't know how to access when we want to because there's no organization or filing system. Am I speaking to you? <laughs> so when he asked me to go get another thought, I'm irritated because I have to carefully package up what we're talking about right now so I can come back to it because that is fucking hard for me. Then I have to go find what he wants to know. Like I can remember where I put that thought and then I have to pull that out, have that, and then we have to get back to the other conversation. I'm like, whoa, this is a lot. It's taxing on our brain. Like Mark and I will literally have conversations about it because he'll ask me a question and he'll notice that I get like immediately irritated. I'm like, but you want to know what's going on right there, right? And he's like, oh, wouldn't hate it. And I'm like, okay, so this is what it's like. To be a fly on the wall in our house, we have lots of brain conversations over here. So, <clears throat> so we have trouble switching tasks, but we also have an inability to stick to one task. <laughs> so like it does it, it, we contradict ourselves. Our brain contradicts itself. So if you are someone on the outside looking in, we don't make any sense. And you know what else? If you don't know that your brain is like this and you don't know that this is the way that you are made, then you beat yourself up about it because it doesn't make sense to us either. And we are really smart. We are really observant and we are really self-aware because there is a lot going on in there and we have to be. It's constant like evaluation of ourselves in there and it's usually not good. 
let's keep going because there's more things below the iceberg. Forgetting thoughts 0.2 seconds after having them. Check. Choice paralysis. Check. Chronic unemployment. Things we don't talk about. There's so, so many. And then below the iceberg, you also have things that we are more susceptible to. And let me, I, I've said it before and I will say it again. If you are middle-aged and you are just figuring out that you have ADHD, you have trauma. You have trauma. You have been traumatized. Doesn't mean somebody like locked you up in a dungeon or physically beat you. But when people don't know what's happening in our brains inside, they treat us differently. And a lot of times, these are things that trigger things from our past. Like this morning when Elsie was upset, like really upset, she couldn't calm down. She couldn't calm down, so she's sitting on the stairs, whimpering. And she's sitting on the stairs like this. And she is like, <laughs> and it sounds like whimpering because she is just talking really fast, muttering under her breath. How many of you have seen your kids do this? And it's like it doesn't even make sense. Because we can't put it together. How can I not charge the iPad? How can I not charge the iPad? How can I not see that the blue light was on? I'm going to get in trouble in class. Now I'm not going to have my tablet. I'm not going to. It's all the things. I can put myself in her shoes so easily because I am her. But my past hits different. My first reaction to seeing her on the stairs is to yell. Is to say that she's making it worse. to say that it's not that bad but I know that all of these things just make it worse because we already can't control it inside and then when someone else tells us that we are the problem now we are the problem that we can't control and it's so much harder so now we have the stress of upsetting others, we can't control it. It's getting bigger and bigger, it feels bigger and bigger, and now we're getting in trouble. So now the RSD is also piled on to whatever the spiral is happening in our brain. We can't think about anything else. There is nothing that anyone can say that will fix it. Nothing. And oddly enough, every time this happens, what ends up helping the most 
is when I just start talking out loud. I was frustrated this morning. I was frustrated because Elsie couldn't rein it in. And it wasn't that I was mad at her for muttering. I was mad at her brain because I know what it's doing to her. I was mad at her brain because it's not her fault that the fucking iPad wasn't charged. But she's on those stairs beating herself up and there's nothing I can do. So I told her that the reason why I'm upset and the reason why I'm irritated is because her brain won't cut her a fucking break. And I saw it in her eyes. I saw it in her eyes where that was the validation that she needed. She didn't need anyone to tell her anything about what she did or didn't do because her brain wasn't going to believe it. But her hearing that I knew what was happening inside and that's why I was upset. I was upset because her brain was being mean to her and I don't like it. She got that. She understood it and Mark was standing right behind her. And when I told him I was going to do this podcast, when I was going to do this live, he said he thought it was a really good idea because as a neurotypical standing there, with all love and respect, which we always say, he said, you are saying these things that sound ridiculous. But then Elsie's standing there agreeing with you. And I'm like, yeah. Because I know. Because I know. And so I also know that if I didn't know what was happening, I would have yelled. Because it looks like we're doing it to ourselves because it's all happening inside and we're the only one elevating. It looks like we are making a bigger deal than it is. But what you're actually seeing is our inability to process what's happening. And in that inability to process what's happening, our brain is beating the shit out of us in the process. Every time we misstep, every time we can't keep it together, every time we lose ourselves, we cut ourselves down. And we never get it back. It's, it's so hard to explain, uh, but I think understanding how much damage it does below the surface changes the thoughts 
on medication and treatment. Because a lot of these children, because of the way ADHD presents itself, it makes it seem like you're medicating these kids. The common perception, there is a common perception. And I feel like at one time I probably agreed with it because I didn't understand it. And it is me. And I was, I was misdiagnosed and I was given the wrong meds for a decade. So it's so crazy that I'm sitting here about to talk about the benefit of meds because for a really long time, I was like the most anti-med person I know. Because I thought that meds just made us less, easier to deal with, less because I'm too much, right? But the difference with finding the right meds is that I'm still me. I'm still very, very much me. I'm just not so hard on me. Having ADHD is like being a perfectionist about everything in your life, but you don't have the skill and ability to live up to that level of perfection. Constantly. Elsie has made leaps and bounds in her reading since we've done, since we've been doing the neuro. And she still tells herself she's bad at reading. And I'm like, just because you are not as good as you are at math, but that is the ADHD in her brain, holding herself to a standard. That doesn't exist. Like, it's crazy. So, if your child has really big feelings, if you have really big feelings, Here's what I hope to get across in this episode. I didn't realize how much ADHD affects my life because before I knew what it was, I thought it was attention, focus, and forgetfulness. The minute, literally the minute I know I can pinpoint the time where it changed for me. And it was when Aubrey told me that depression and anxiety are symptoms of ADHD, of unmedicated ADHD. That was all I needed to know. Then I started looking and I started really digging because if this could make sense. It would make sense why nothing else worked. It would make sense why I was 39 still feeling like I was failing at my life. 
even though from the outside, you would never know. You would never know. Looking at my life a year ago, you would never know that I beat myself up every day inside my head that I thought I was a living, breathing failure. And that every day I fought the same fight to get out of bed, to do the things, and to go to bed and do it again the next day. That, that is the heavy burden that I carried with my ADHD for 39 years below the surface. All of the really damaging things were below the surface. Maybe you see me differently. Maybe hearing this from someone like me, if you're able to look back and see that differently, if someone who has done as much work as me, uses as many tools as I do, and shows up in the way that I do, if someone like me was still struggling so bad, what do you think has happened to our kids? What do, you do, what do you think is happening to the active addict out there that is still using to fill that void? Because the second I started taking the right meds, that constant desire to drink my life and my problems away, it wasn't there all the time. I was sober for six and a half years before I tried the right meds. And for six and a half years, I still wanted to drink all the time. I didn't, but my brain wanted to all the time when it got tough. I don't feel like that now. Crazy. Crazy. You know, when Elsie has these, just like this morning, when that kind of stuff happens, he will ask me, you know, after like, is there anything, like what, what could I say or what could I do? And I straight tell him, nothing. There was nothing that I could do. Literally, the only thing that made a difference for me, that took me to the other side, was meds. Was the right meds. I do all the things. I still do all the things. I share this because I didn't go through hell for no reason. I went through 39 years of hell so I know what it's like. I went through it and I wanted to die all the time so I knew what it was like. Because now I know and I see it. And it is now my job to share that. 
to share what that looks like, to show you what you're seeing. Because I can't think, I can't help but think. I wouldn't take it back, but I can't help but think how different my life would have been had someone seen what was happening, not what they thought I was doing. Then again, I had to go through it and I had to know how bad it was. I had to have the addiction and the trauma and the ADHD. I had to have the bipolar diagnosis. I had to try over a dozen antidepressants and psych meds I had to be in a psych ward. I even had to lose my best friend to suicide so I wouldn't fucking take my own life so I'd make it here to share this message, to be this voice. Never thought this is the message that I would be here to share, but it is. You know, this weekend, I'm going to be running a mastermind for my coaches, for our team, about finding your niche. And it's not just ADHD for me. Because that's so broad. I am here to show what's below the surface. I am here to help women who have been misdiagnosed and unseen and to prevent the same thing from happening to our kids. So I'm not here to tell you that you need to medicate your kids. But I will tell you That if you choose to, I want you to look at it this way. ADHD meds, they help us do the things we can't. They give my brain that pause. Like there was zero connection in my head between knowing what I should or shouldn't do and then the taking action part. So like, for instance, the example that's coming to my head is I, um, I have a friend's son who always messes with their dog. And like he knows you shouldn't mess with the dog. The dog might bite you. But his brain can't stop. Like it's littered. There's a disconnect in communication there. And knowing that, now keep in mind, there's only so many times that you can understand that and be in that place and redirect that child. Let me tell you from a different, I, this is very, very cool for me because I'm actually in, I have both experiences. I've been the kid that has been yelled at. And now I'm the parent seeing it on the other side. Who's trying not to do the yelling. Because I don't care who you are. I don't care how much patience you are. I don't care how much you see your kid. Telling them not to do something 27 times can only, like, 
You can only take so much. I understand that. I need you to, I need to flip that for a second for you. So on the other hand, is the child that's being redirected 27 times that can't stop doing it. But also, they're mad at themselves for not, like, there are things happening underneath the surface there too. No one likes to always be the kid that gets in trouble or is always being yelled at. And then they start to get this idea in their head that they're bad that they're bad because they're always being redirected. Medication gives them that pause. Like, oh, I want to fuck with the dog. Mm. But I shouldn't. But I shouldn't. You know, the weirdest things happened to me when I started taking meds. I, w- I remember walking out of the bathroom and I, I stopped in the doorway Honest to goodness, 39 and a half. This has never happened to me before in my life. I'm walking out of my bathroom and I stopped in the doorway and my brain said, wait, you left something on the windowsill. And I almost turned around like, who said that? What, what, is, what is happening? And I looked and there was like something I was taking. And I had like a straw. I think it was a straw. The fact that I even remember this is like, it was on the windowsill and I left it in there. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> it's little stuff like that. The meds do that stuff for us. So it's not just, I'm not, I'm, I would have never let anyone medicate me to tame me down. I don't care if I'm too much. About to make a reel today. If I'm too much, go fun less. Because I really don't fucking care anymore. But I like that I don't have to mask my ADHD symptoms as much. I like that my brain doesn't beat me up as much. I like that I don't feel like I'm on a constant hamster wheel anymore I like that for the first time in my life my emotions aren't the biggest part of me (laughs) I like There, like, there's too many things. There are literally too many things to list. So here's another thing about ADHD medication, as in I've taken a lot of different medications. I knew instantly. I knew instantly. And I don't take my meds every weekend. If I don't want to take them on the weekends, that's fine. I couldn't do that with my psych meds. I couldn't do that with Zoloft. I couldn't just pick and choose when I wanted to take it or it didn't work. It had to be in my system all the time. My meds this way are not the same. So we are making an appointment to talk about meds for Elsie. We did not come to this conclusion, agreement, 
easily because I see what Mark doesn't see. I know what Mark has no idea. Like, and I say this and I tell him this with love and it's hard sometimes for me. I have to tell him like, okay, I'm sorry. There's a lot of trauma here for me and I'm trying not to unpack that. But if I didn't know what was happening, I wouldn't even think about that. I don't. I would think that these are things that Elsie can fix, that she should be able to fix, even though I was the exact same way. But because the world told me that I should be able to control it, my reaction, my trauma response, is that she should be able to do the same. And she can't. She can't. She literally can't. I know what a life without being able to control your emotions feels like. And I'll tell you this, it involves way, way more pain than necessary. <sighs> Try every time, anytime Elsie gets like that, when the anxiety, the panic comes in, because that is her, that is her, that's her biggest symptom. If I ask her if her brain is beating her up inside, every single time she will tell me yes. If you want to know, maybe you don't want to know, but you need to know if it's damaging your kids inside. Validate their feelings, even if you don't agree with them. because we already know we can't control them. We can't change them either. So making them feel wrong only makes us feel more wrong. Like, I hope that makes sense. But I will also say that this, and maybe this is just extreme ADHD, although I, a lot of people that I've talked to feel the same. And just for a very good example, ADHDers use six forms of motivation to do things. I feel like this episode is probably going to end up <laughs> self-diagnosing a few people, and I'm okay with that too. The more you know, the more you know. And the more you know, the less you beat yourself up. I'm here for the self-love. I'm here for the forgiveness. I'm here to help you fix what is fucking happening below the surface that maybe you've never even told a fucking soul. Maybe you thought it was just you. So 
the way that we motivate ourselves. Just start counting on your hand and see how many of these you use. So we don't, we lack executive function, right? So we don't have a friendly butler, someone nicely, politely telling us in our head, oh, you should be doing this. Oh, you need to do this. Like, oh, let's do this. Even if we don't want to, let's just get it done, right? Like, no, if there's no dopamine in for in it for us, we out, right? Mm, mm, mm. So how do we do the things? Avoidance. <laughs> Check. Anxiety. Yes, we literally use anxiety to do the things. Anger, also check. I get so mad at myself that I make myself do the things. So, procrastination, oh, check, 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 check. Shame. We will literally shame ourselves into doing the things. We use shame as a motivation tactic. And last but not least, my personal favorite, self-loathing. These are six things that we use on a regular basis to do the things. How healthy do you think those six things are for you? Not very. So now ADHD is not a death sentence. ADHD is not even... I don't look at it as a, as a negative, but here is the thing. If you don't know what it is, it absolutely looks that way. If you don't know how your brain works, where it excels and where it struggles so you can give yourself grace, oh yeah, no, it's all gonna look horrible. Nope, sucks, all of it. But when you see yourself for who you are, and I know all this stuff under the iceberg seems heavy, but there's also a really, really cool know, rainbow, if you will, of talents that we possess. This world is changed by ADHD thinkers. We bring new solutions to the table. We think outside the box. We are amazing at problem solving because we literally do it all day long. We are talented, we are creative. We, we honestly truly have skills that other people don't have. But if you're in your own damn way, beating yourself up all the time, you can't share those gifts with the world. Your brain literally won't let you. So it's time to start learning about yourself. It's time to start learning about who you're seeing, what you're seeing. And maybe it's time to make an appointment with a doctor to talk about meds. For all the middle-aged women, I have a whole other live slash podcast coming on that with my best advice since I was misdiagnosed, even in an extensive four-hour ADHD evaluation. So I have taken that information and I have processed it into my best tips 
on how to avoid that same scenario from happening. Maybe that's what I'm ultimately here for. The right diagnosis, the right path. And understanding how we got here. And maybe even a little grace and forgiveness for those along the way. Because if you're here, you're here for a reason. And there's something you can do with that. Maybe saving the next generation from what you went through.